morning show, Sportsnet 590, the fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. We're going to talk to our Maple Leafs historian, Damien Cox, in a couple of minutes, but I'm going to talk some Maple Leafs history with you first, Brent. Yes. Always excited to do so. All right. How far back does your Maple Leaf history go? I don't know. I, I don't like have a like hard and fat. It's like my fav- one of my favorite Leaf pictures is the picture of like Punch Imlac sitting there with the champagne glass oh, sure. in front no of the cup. No practice tomorrow. No practice tomorrow. So like, I don't know if that's history, mm. but far back. But there's a okay. lot I don't know between then and now. Okay. Do you know the last Leafs player to win a Vesna? Because I do. <laughs> Was it like Johnny Bauer? You got it. Nailed Shared it. it with uh, Terry Sawchuk. So yeah. I assume back then that like the both goalies, it was like a team award. Right. But right. in 1965, it'd be tough if he was on a different team and they're like two thirds of the goalies <laughs> get it or a third of the goalies. Johnny Bauer and Terry Sawchuk shared it in 1965. Shares. Now, I know the last Leafs goalie to get a Vesna vote. Mm, Freddie Anderson. Correct. Look at me. Frederick Anderson. We don't even need demo. Get him off the... I'm joking. We Frederick Anderson got a Vesna vote, a third place. It was one third place vote in 2019. He finished tied for 10th in voting. But in 2018, he, he finished fourth. Like he, in back-to-back years, mm-hmm. got Vesna votes. And I think we we look back at the Freddie Anderson tenure, it's like, well, and obviously there's some playoff Playoffs. unpleasantness, especially in deciding games and his record in those games ain't so good. But anyways... Freddie Anderson was the last Toronto Maple Leafs goalie to to get Vesna votes, and they do not have a Vesna trophy as an organization since expansion. I mean, if we're gonna talk about awards though, like Austin Matthews was just the third Hart Trophy mm-hmm. one. Oh, it's it's and, and remarkable for this organization the first time since Ted Kennedy in what 1965. Mm-hmm. You know how many times the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs players won the Norris? There's zero. Yeah. There's no one's ever won the Norris Trophy. Mm-hmm. As a member of the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's why Leafs. we have to give Morgan Riley his, like, he's not in the conversation, but we should give him his due every week. That's right. right. If you were in the conversation, and I guess he was with the, what, 70-point season yeah, that he had? 20 goals. 20 yeah. goals, and I guess he was in the conversation. Was he not a finalist that year? I don't think so. I don't think he's ever been a finalist. Yeah. Because we generally speaking with Norris, you have to, like, be you have to play like a finalist for two to three years, and then we make you a yeah. finalist, and then we give you the award is how that's worked. Unless you're Kale McCarr. So anyways, uh, it's nice to have a Hart Trophy winner. That's like the most valuable. Mm-hmm. But literally, certainly, it, you, it goes a long way to helping your postseason chances when you have either a Norris candidate or certainly a Vesna candidate, which Maple Leafs did have in, in recent vintage. Now, there is a guy floating around there. We, we'd mentioned him. Like, mm-hmm. UC Soros is out there yep. who's in and around that type of caliber goaltender at not an exorbitant cap hit. Mm-hmm. Five million this year. Yep. Five million next year. Now, this team has operated, I think, rather wisely in regards to goaltending. And especially when it comes to the trade for Frederick Anderson in particular. It's genius trade. Okay. And, and the, the potential existed that Especially that was... because it was Max Comtois as well who went in the trade. Sure. And, like, there's been times that it hasn't worked out. Like, Vesa Toskala obviously didn't work out. Going out and targeting a goaltender and bad. trading for him doesn't always work or out. sometimes you trade Tuka Rask away. Yeah. Not ideal. And you put all your, your eggs in the Justin Pogge basket. Uh, okay. Not but, a good basket. And the, but the potential exists for the next great goaltender that he, he's in this organization right now, Joseph Wall. 
But we know UC Soros is pretty damn good right now. You can go out and get him. He will be available. I, I'm pretty certain. Like, we have reports within the last couple of days that mm-hmm. he's dangling out there as the Predators hanging on to a playoff spot in the Western Conference, but they're life and death. I mean, we'll, we'll see if that that is it. Maybe the, the strategy of this team in recent years of being the, guy, the, the guys that do not make the commitment to goaltending and just kind of try to piece it together, which has worked out pretty well. And mm-hmm. it certainly worked out in the, the one guy where we were having a serious conversation about Jack Campbell, that yep. they didn't take that route. Thank we'll God. see if there's a different tact going forward here. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and Treliving has kind of proven to take that different tact in the past. And, you know, I know Shanahan's still here and there's some lines of continuation from the past, but there's also a new GM and you got to look at his past track record. He's gone out and gotten goalies, went mm-hmm. out and signed Markstrom. So it's not the craziest thought to have for sure. Yeah. But uh, in the case of Samsonov and, and Matt Murray, it's been flyers and, and reclamation projects. All right, time now for our insider, brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Damian Cox, our Leafs historian, Toronto Star contributor. Um, yeah, what, what do you remember about the 1965 season where Johnny Bauer and Terry Sawchuk last won uh, the, the, the Leafs uh, Vesna? Well, I remember I had my 40th birthday yeah, that year, that and that was really yeah. No, <laughs> I want to know what a Justin what does a what does a Justin Pogi basket look like? Like, yeah. is it like an Eastern? Is it like an Easter basket? It's got a or hole it like in the, the bottom. Or is it like the basket you put on the front of your bike when you're doing the you know the Wild Witch of the West? You know, one of those. I think it's like that basket on the front of a bike if it was left out in a torrential rainstorm and potentially hurricane. I know that's mean to Justin Pogi, but I do think that's how solid that basket. I think I think if Cody Hodgson can come back, and as we discussed last week, Carl Brewer can come back. Right. Justin Pogi, wherever he is, now is the time. What a story that would be. God, wouldn't it? Um, all right. You know what? You, you've kind of been on Leafs don't pay enough attention Hold to their on. goaltending He quickly situation. played 18 games in Germany last year uh, for the, oh, uh, for the Wolfsburg Grizzly Adams. That is the official name of the team. Really? Yeah, I'm looking at Did it. Did he have hockey. a beard? I don't know. I uh, cannot confirm. Okay. Although the most recent hockey DB pitcher would say otherwise. All, all right. right. Go ahead. Ask the real question. Okay. No, Damien, I... I've, Remember many a conversation with you in in talking many. about goaltending when it comes to the Toronto Maple Leafs and and maybe you're, maybe disdain is too harsh a word but your mm, disagreement with the way that this organization has gone about uh, addressing the most important position in all of the sport there's a guy out there that you can not even move heaven and earth to go out and get but you know give up something to go get and he's not under contract for forever but it's this year and next and you see sorrows there was a guy that might have been available last off season and Connor Hellebuck is having a pretty good season who was av- uh, available in trade is that it is that a route do you think the maple leaf should go down well let's get specific would you trade fraser minton for him right now I would, yeah. You know, I, I, I think that's sort of, that's that's the question. I mean, one of the challenges, and I'm not dodging your question, I'm I'm calculating as we talk. No, what, one of the things about, about Toronto is that get rid of William Nylander. Well, what are you going to get from him? Doesn't matter. Just get rid, you know, it's always get rid of this guy, get rid of that guy. Um, and then there's a, there's a cost. And you look at where the Leafs are right now in a whole bunch of different ways. Um, and I think now is... The time. Now, would I go out and get another defenseman? Eh. Would I go out and get another forward? Uh, but if you could get a game changer and pay a price, that would hurt, but would 
be, you know, somewhat reasonable. I think you'd, I think you'd do it. I mean, Fraser Minton's probably not going to be a top six forward in the national hockey league. He's going to be a good player. I think, um, would you trade him? Would Nashville take that? Look, I, th- I don't think your UC Saros is the best goalie in the NHL, but he's better than anything Toronto has right now. And it could turn this, you know, you could turn this season around. I mean, if you look at the hottest teams in the league, Edmonton, big part of it is Stuart Skinner is playing so much better. Winnipeg, Connor Hellebuck, I mean, they're the best de- defensive team in the NHL, and they got the best goalie. He's probably going to win the, you know, the Vesna. So, um, you know, I, I think my difference with the Leafs, and there have been the odd one over the years, has been has been their inclination to trade for other teams' backups. Mm. You know, you know, guys who weren't even starters or, or declared starters where they were, and said, "Okay, that guy is good enough. He could be our number one guy." UC Saros is a number one guy. I think he's proven it. I think he could make a difference. Yeah, that's that's interesting when you posit it, right? Because we've certainly seen that in the past with like a David Riddich trade. But you're right, Freddie Anderson was a guy who had a share of the net. I mean, he was more the guy, and then they were going to Gibbs him, but a share as well. Campbell, exact same thing. And both those worked out to a point in, in Toronto. You know, the question I have about trading for a goalie is kind of two-pronged. And I agree with with most of what you're what you're saying. And it, it is especially a good thing that you haven't always seen eye-to-eye with the Leafs because uh, they haven't won a cup since 67. Yeah, you, so. you've, you can look at scoreboard. Yeah, you I was going to say. Like, yeah, Damien, yeah, you've... Checked a lot of the the W boxes yeah, for you, yourself. If you agreed with everything, I don't know that we'd be having you on for your your incredible insight right now. I don't. I don't. But the the question I have about a goaltender is, I mean, it is the hardest position to bank on year over year, just in terms of track yep. record, what we see. And as we've seen with Samsonov, and not every guy's Samsonov, but it is the position that I think has the most kind of you know, for lack of a better term, wiggle room or questions that can be caused by pressure or a feeling of it how much do you weigh the fact of what it is to be the goalie for the predators and what it is to be the goalie for the leafs when you're making that trade because i don't know that it's everything but it's certainly not nothing either well i mean you, you got to know the player you got to scout the heck out of them like say more than they scouted ryan reeves say i would scout i would scout you more i put a scoreboard good job by you david i'd put a bit more time into it than they did on ryan reeves and I think you got to know the player and, you know, a little, a little bit. Like when they brought in uh, Ilya Samsonov, surely they knew that this was a guy who had had an erratic career. You see, Saros has had a pretty steady career. He, he served his apprenticeship and then he came in and he took over. He's still only 28 years old. Um, but I don't know the guy. They've got to know the guy, um, you know, and... Um, you know, I think part, probably they, they knew Jack Campbell. They knew what a good team guy he was and stuff. But was he, you know, did he have the mentality? I mean, I agree to an extent. Some guys can take Toronto. Some guys can't. Um, I think good players can play in Toronto. Uh, you know, I, and I think, you know, as much as was made out of Ryan O'Reilly saying things about Toronto when he walked out the door, if they'd given him the money that Nashville did, he would have stayed. Yeah. Um, you know, so... Uh, I think good players can play in Toronto and all indications are that UC Saros is, is a good player, you know, and I think, uh, you know, and a steady, steady guy who's playing pretty well, not spectacularly, but pretty well on a very so-so Nashville team right now. Yeah. He has a slightly higher than average goals saved above average this season, but for his career, he's been out freaking standing career save percentage of nine eighteen in 323 NHL games played. He's uh, finished in the top five in Vesna voting the last two years. 
He was sixth in Vesna voting in in twenty one or uh, twenty twenty one. Yeah, that that and like he's not he's not gonna break the bank for you. I mean, he, okay, he's only under contract for one more year, which I guess you can look at as as maybe a disadvantage. But also, it gives you another season to see what Joe Wall is, and then yep. you know, then you can decide on Joe Wall maybe growing into that role beyond next. I, I think it's kind of the perfect fit, honestly. Yeah, I mean, now there may be some other team that may decide. I mean, Carolina's had issues in goal all year long. So, you know, some other team may get there before you do. And I would say the one, the one to me, asterisk about UC Saros is he's not a big guy. He's a small goalie at a time when there are almost no small goalies anymore. I mean, Mike Palmatier wouldn't even have got a sniff. Um, in this era uh, uh, as a as a goaltender in the NHL. So Saros is not a big guy, but he is durable. He's played more than 60 games the last couple of years. So clearly, you know, that hasn't been a gigantic problem for you. But if you like big goalies and who's, you know, Connor Hellebuck and that type of thing, then, you know, he may not be your 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 cup of tea. Yeah, he's an outlier there. When you when you look at the guys, you know, Ben and I were doing our list of goalies you, you kind of feel comfortable banking on. And, yeah, they're all pretty big. You, you look at it, that that's kind of the way things have gone. But, you know, we've seen smaller forwards thrive. Hello, Mitch Marner. It doesn't mean you you yep. can't. But, you know, there's a reason why big guys tend to uh, to succeed. It's the so, math equation. Like, yeah. if you're larger, you take up more of the net, I think. This is true. That's uh, that's exactly how it how it oh, works. Yeah, the, the analysis Thank that you, you get when I do. Yeah, I mean, I know. it's really. <laughs> I know. D- Damien, on a sumo we should, we should charge you for this. It's incredible that you would, take I think Ben's the question insights. is, would UC Saros fit inside a Justin Pogge basket? That <laughs> it would, but I don't answer. think it would be structurally secure enough. I think that would be the issue. I think he could fit inside it. Uh, you know, obviously, goaltending far from the only issue on this team. It's you know that we've we've talked about it ad nauseum. The the blue line. Maybe you want another forward there. You know, there has been talk about just how aggressive Brad Living should be. And, you know, we're, I suppose we're talking about that with a Soros question here. But do you think there's a world where he makes moves that are... I, I don't see a bunch of rentals coming in. This isn't going to be last year's deadline with Achari and O'Reilly. But I do think that this is a guy that I would imagine wants to do some work building his team now if he can. He doesn't want to have to sit around and do it all in the offseason. Do you think there's an appetite for Living to... You know, I always use this as shorthand and wouldn't be nice to go make it but make your Jake Muzzin trade like he's talked so much about wanting to rebuild this blue line and that's no secret can you see a world where he doesn't want to push assets in for just this year but if it is you know beyond you know the name I keep coming to is a guy like Adam Larson who doesn't move the world but he's been a similar sorrows vein mm-hmm. where he doesn't make much money he's here for this year and next and you can kind of have an exhale do you think that that is more the deadline uh, the Leafs are priming themselves for than the kind of uh a- load up like we saw last year yeah i mean i I think they'll do something they always do something um and i think you look back at the the last number of years and one of the things i would question about the lack or wonder about the team's lack of success is how much turnover they have every single year they turn over half their roster now they have to for salary cap reasons um and, you know, you look at the team that beat Tampa last year and the number of guys who left who were very useful players. Last year, if they could have kept a chunk of that, I think that would have been helpful. They made their bed last, last summer. Um, and they're going to live and die on, what, on Max Domi and Tyler Bertuzzi, whether you like them or you don't. Um, 
And I don't think that you would could make the argument right now that those guys made them better. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're not going to change that now. Um, so you, I, I think, look, let's put the goaltending thing aside because generally teams don't trade for number one goalie at the deadline. But let's just put that aside. I'm not sure there's a whole lot you can you can do with with the rest of the roster, that's going to be meaningful before the deadline. I've argued about changing the coach. Um, They don't seem inclined to do that, although the results against Winnipeg this week could impact that, I suppose. But, you know, I think they're going to tinker. I can't, and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, start expending huge assets um, at a time where you're really not sure about your team. Yep. Yeah, I I think... um... Yeah, that's the prevailing sentiment around this team as we head towards uh, the deadline, as we head towards the, the All-Star break. So we, we mentioned the Ryan Reeves thing in passing. And, I mean, predictably, it, it hasn't yielded on ice results. I would say predictably, John Klingberg was not a fit. And I, I guess maybe less predictably, it was, I guess, something you can point to physically that was maybe hindering him. Um, Ryan Reeves signed a three-year deal. John Klingberg was yeah. a one-year thing, and you, it, it's not hindering you because he's on LTIR. And, and Ryan Reeves could potentially not hinder you if you put him through waivers. I mean, is that how you think the Leafs are going to handle this thing? Do, does it matter at all that, that you probably told the guy? Um, I mean, it's what the money's for, and he still gets paid his money. And I, I, But I, he had other offers. He could have been other places where he was going to be on a National Hockey League ice surface at the age of 37. He thought he was going to get an opportunity to play, and he did, and he didn't play well. But do you, do you think there's any unfairness to, to sending him through waivers at this point? No, absolutely not. I mean, now whether that's the right move, you know, and with their cap, that that's something that only capologists uh, would would thoroughly understand. But no, it's not unfair. He came here under. They, I'm sure they gave him more term than anybody else really wanted to give him. And look, it, it, look, it comes to the end for all of us at some point, whether we're on radio guys or whether we're in the National Hockey League. And Ryan Reeves has played that's probably more than he could. <laughs> he's played more than he could have imagined he would be able to play. Um, when he started out down the path, there's nothing wrong with that. My only thing is there was thinking in the Leaf organization that it was important that they had him on the roster, that they had him in the organization, and that was just six months ago. Uh, has that changed drastically despite the results? I would guess not. That they, There's still people in that organization who say, we need to have somebody like this on our team, even if he's sitting in the press box. Um, and that probably still exists. So I, my guess would be they carry him till the end of the season and then figure out something to, to do in June. You know, maybe somebody else wants a guy who can't play. Uh, I don't know. Like, you know, there, there's always somebody. Uh, you, know, I, I, you know, I joke around. And, I mean, Ryan Reeves is a person, and he, uh, he, you know, he's, he deserves respect, I suppose. But, I mean, the, the – I have a tough time in this self-perpetuating discussion of enforcers who come out and tell you every year how important fighting is. Meanwhile, it's really important to them because they make a lot of money doing it or even not doing it. They make a lot of money. So um, I think this has been a kind of the same episode that Dave Semenko was once a leaf. You get enforcers at the end of their career. They're not very helpful. They really aren't. And they, they, they can't help you win. 
Yeah, I mean, the, uh, the the guy who perfectly or or at least at the very beginning of his tenure kind of perfectly threaded that needle was was Wayne Simmons. They broke his hand against the Canucks, and quite frankly, he was never the same guy. Like, he was able to give you a little fight, but he was also able to kind of chip in some offense, and it just it just never really was the same after he broke his hand, and they kind of been tracing yeah. that. The other thing I wonder about, and you mentioned it there, is six months ago they thought he was integral. I imagine they thought he'd be at least kind of a part of it. You know, the personality aspect. It's really hard to be a big personality when you're not a big part of the thing that you're doing so that I mean you will never know the answer to that that'd be a like truth serum type question uh last one for me but before we let you go anyways Damo is I think I know the answer to this question and I think it's no he he owes it to the player to go put the best team forward through the bulk of his career but Austin Matthews it's another historic season we're seeing from him here Mm -hmm. I don't I don't think he's gonna get there but he could get 70 goals this year. What is what is Brad for living or the least front office owe? Forget about the core. Forget about the fan base. What do they owe that guy putting together? He's won a heart trophy, and this might be his best season. Do they owe him anything at the deadline? No. No, I, I don't think so. I mean, look, I, I don't – Austin Matthews might sit back and disagree with what lead management be. Uh, or has done, but I don't think he could sit back in an honest way and say, they're not trying to win. <laughs> Only I'm trying to win. They're not trying to win. Um, I, I think they are trying to win. They just, you know, the question is, are they doing the right thing? Now, and the, the other point I should say is, and I, and I was thinking about this this morning, Lisa played 45 games, mm-hmm. you know, just over half the season. People in Winnipeg and Vancouver are celebrating like they've accomplished something major already this season. Yeah, why are they planning the parade, Damien? And why is no one talking about that? (laughs) I mean, this league is going to look different after another 37 or 35 games, depending on how much you play. And so, uh, look, I, I think, you know, whether he gets 70 goals or not, the Leafs could be the next team that goes on a run because that's the nature of this league. Now, uh, um, it, it, it's possible. I mean, the Edmonton Oilers have won 14 in a row, and they looked like they couldn't, you know, that looked like they were going to be right there with, with you know, San Jose. At the they beginning lost to of San the year. Jose, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, like, everybody wants to reach a conclusion. You know, this is, what, this is where we are. You know, right now, Boston is best percentage winning team in the National Hockey League. So, should we give them the cup now? Because we know what happened last year, mm. and we know what we know. A couple of teams will die bomb in the second half of the season, like LA has been doing of late, and they looked great in the fall. So I, I guess this is. I think Austin Matthews has now reached a maturity level where he understands that being great in the regular season really doesn't account for much if you're really look after that big goal. Um, and as every you know, Leaf historian worth his salt will tell you. <laughs> Leafs, last time the Leafs won the cup, <laughs> they lost 10 straight that year. Oh, so boy. there it is right there, sitting there. You guys do with that what you may. Put it in your Justin pogey basket and smoke <laughs> it. <laughs> uh, I love it. Yeah, Leafs don't want to peak too early. Those Oilers are peaking too early. They, they the Kings, blew it. we already gave them the cup this year, too, uh, and look at them now. No, Leafs in a perfect spot. <laughs> They're going to do the Panthers thing from a season ago, make the playoffs on the last day of the season, make it all the way to the cup final. Who knows? With, with UC Soros and Net. Won't I, that be something? That will be uh, quite a story. I'd have to say a lot different things about Brad Trelewick than I've been saying for the first three months of the season. <laughs> let me tell you that. Yeah. He doesn't have the same winning percentage as Damien does against the Toronto Maple Leafs so far in 100%. his season. Unbeaten. <laughs> 
unbeaten on five. <laughs> Damien, always a pleasure. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, guys. See ya. See ya. Damien Cox, Toronto Star contributor, our Leafs historian. He was our insider, brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. I always appreciate our, our chats with, with Damo, and not, and not just because I'm trying to butter him up to one day be in the voting committee for the Northern Star Award. Not just because of that. It's a little bit because of that, but... I thought today was particularly chuckly. Mm-hmm. I feel like we were having some good laughs during that one. At the Leafs' expense, yeah. It's, I mean, it's so weird that I didn't get extremely. Def- Normally, I'm like, "Hey, yeah. not not here. Uh-huh. We'll let them do that in Vancouver. We don't mm. do that here." And I, even I, was having fun with it. Yeah, I think the Matthews thing is interesting. Not that they owe the player anything, because that's what the money is for. And well, yeah, they're trying to yeah. win. But I think. The argument you could have is that you do not want to waste this season, That's right? It. Like, is it ever going to be... It, Austin Matthews is going into the Hall of Fame. We already put him there. We did. We already and did it. That's Yeah, it's obvious that you know the best goal scorer in the NHL since he arrived at the NHL level might be headed to the Hall of Fame. I don't think we're breaking new ground there. But this might be his best season ever. Like, who knows? And who knows what happens in the landscape of the NHL, especially to add, like, 10 more teams. Like, maybe 70 goals, that'll be, like, the halfway point for, for the, the next... <laughs> Uh, rocket winner <laughs> when you know they're 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 playing in uh yeah, I don't it's, know it's the old Houston it, the old, and, it'd be the reverse MJ. It's like those guys will be playing against plumbers and yeah, farmers. Uh, yeah. yeah. Anyways, but this it's quite possible we're watching the peak of of this guy's powers. Borderline likely, quite honestly. Like he's he's what is he, 26, 27 years old? Like this is when guys peak. And look, mm-hmm. like Crosby showed you it doesn't have to end when you're 30 or whatever, but you know, Crosby's also Crosby. Mm-hmm. Like, those guys are few and far between. Look at Ovechkin. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, he's very long in the tooth, and mm-hmm. no one's saying it's going to fall off tomorrow for Matthews, but it's, ama- it, it's amazing. Fa- we just talked about this earlier today, how old we are, older than dirt, with Joe Maurer's mm-hmm. career all being done. And then the guy, Joe Maurer, was like, don't put us to- in the same No, bucket. no, but what I'm getting at is it's like, it's crazy how fast things go. Like, Mm. You know, it's like life is short. Life is short, man. I remember just yesterday I was reading about Joe Maurer with power, Matt <laughs> Weeders, and guess what? Now he's retired. Yeah. Okay, like it's crazy how quick these things go, and I don't think Matthew's about to fall off anytime soon. I also don't know that you're ever going to see a better version than you're seeing this kind of two, three year window from him. Yeah, it's year eight with Austin Matthews. They've oh, won. that's so many years. They've won one postseason series. Uh, ahead of the 2024 Rogers NHL All-Star Game this year, we will be giving away family four-packs of tickets to the NHL Fanfare. Coming to Toronto February 1st through the 4th, just listen for the daily code word in episodes of the Fan Morning Show today until January 26th, then text it to 59590 to be entered for a chance to win. Today's code word is Hughes. Our next code word will be in tomorrow's episode. However, tickets to the Fanfare also available for purchase at NHL.com slash Fanfare while supplies Last, when we come back, uh, we'll talk to a man who covers the team that's peaking way too early. Jason Greger, host of the Jason Greger Show on Sports 1440 in Edmonton and of the Daily F- uh, Faceoff podcast, joins us next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL, the J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, The Fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. So the Edmonton Oilers now in a top three position in the Pacific Division after a franchise record, 14 consecutive victories. I think Chris Knobloch is is going to get uh, 
Jack Adams award consideration. I mean, if he continues at this pace, Stuart Skinner is going to get Vesna consideration. He's also set now a franchise record. Again, we're, we're talking about a franchise that was pretty dynastic, I would say, in mm -hmm. the 80s with uh, some pretty yeah, great players. Pretty good, yeah. he, he surpassed Grant Fuhrer's franchise mark of 10 consecutive victories. He has now 11, which is the franchise record for the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah, it's uh, it's remarkable the run they've gone on. Uh, Knobloch, yeah, definitely going to get a little love, although this has got to be like... This is the 03 draft for the Jack Adams race this year. It's like you got Tockett, you got Tortorella, Knobloch going to get some love. Uh, people thought Craig Berube was going to when they were trying to fire Sheldon Keefe a week ago, and now that's no longer happening. Yeah, loaded Jack Adams field this year. Okay, so let's talk more in depth about the topic that we hit on with Damian Cox mm. that, okay, it is a long season. I mean, all sports now have this like forever long regular season. We even have it in the NFL now where it's like, you can make assessments like the bills are the best they've ever been at the beginnings, like through five games of the season. And then yep. it's like, Oh my God, the bills are going to miss the playoffs. Oh my God, the bills are back there. And then the bills bow out again in the mm -hmm. divisional round of the Kansas city chiefs. Like we can do this in all sports. Now they're so impossibly, impossibly long. It's just so funny. The winding road they took to end up exactly where we could have told you at the start of the year. Yeah, you're, you're probably <laughs> right. And you know what? Maybe my assessment of this Raptors team laying down and dying against a John Morantless, uh, Desmond Bainless, Memphis Grizzlies, that'll seem stupid by the end of the season because yeah. they'll be actually racking up wins against good teams uh, after the trade deadline and they acquire more good young players. Maybe. Less certain. But I, who knows? <laughs> the seasons last forever, 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 forever. So the conversations we're having now about these teams in the NHL might not be the the, the conversations we're having at the end of the season. Mm -hmm. Is there, like, you can't plan it out, though, either. It's not like, well, we'd like to peak. We'd like to go on the 14-game winning streak at the, the final 14 games of the regular season. You just take it as it comes. But is there an argument to be made that, like, you're getting all your ducks in a row a little too early that you would kind of like to ease into it? And, again, like, it's not an effort thing. Mm -hmm. and. And you can't plan these things out, but like, does it does it make you feel any differently that this is happening in January and and not in March? Yeah, it it absolutely has to. We've seen this movie a million times before, and this isn't. I we all do the dumb sports radio thing, tongue in cheek, of like, oh, you don't want to go on this run now. Just make sure you can go on another run later. It's really hard to do, but I don't. I never think it's a bad thing to play good hockey at any time of the year. I don't care if it comes in the first game of the season. Guess what? Pretty good to get off to a strong start to the season. Seems to have worked out okay for the Boston Bruins this year. Like, I know they've kind of cooled off as well, but guess what? You want to get out to a good start. You want to rack up wins. You want to rack up points. So, yes, of course, given your druthers, you would rather slowly build and then maybe make your ad at the deadline and then you really find your footing in the last month of the season and your goalie is super hot. Yeah, that is the perfect case scenario. But this isn't the first 15 plays for an NFL team or the NFL season. You don't get to script it out, okay? You have to take the breaks that are handed to you. So I I definitely see a team rolling like the Oilers and say, they're probably not going to play better hockey than this right mm -hmm. now that they're playing at any point in time this year. But it doesn't mean that they cannot find this level again in the playoffs. And guess what? It's a completely different game in the playoffs as well. So the idea of what you're doing in January, transplanting it to April or May, it just doesn't work that way. So I said that there's no way to 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 
plan it out that you play your best hockey at the end of the season. But that's not entirely true. So now this is a an, an individual season where this is not possible because the Leafs just and despite the fact that you you believe that there's not going to be any issue about them missing the playoffs by the end of the year. And yeah, history would would tell you that that's probably correct. Even with the the uneven play, they're they're not well entrenched in a playoff position, but they're they're pretty on pretty solid ground even still. And like it just takes a little mini run here, and we're talking about them getting back into the top three, which they've fallen out of now. Uh, the, they're in a wild card spot. But in previous seasons, where there has been like not only has there been a playoff spot secured at like this point in the season, like the playoff opponent. Yeah, has been secured. <laughs> You're right. Right? There has been an opportunity to care less about wins mm-hmm. at this point in the season and do things that are outside the box, like, you know, the aforementioned trying William Nylander up the middle. Yeah. The, there have been opportunities to, hey, give Nick Robertson an extra couple of minutes a game to see what you have there. That That is possible. We haven't seen it with this team. Now, they, again, this is not a season yep. in which you can afford to do that. Unless maybe you go on a little mini run here and you get a little separation. But there is a world in which the Leafs get off to the Bruins-esque start and out goes Tyler Bertuzzi for a couple of games and in comes Ryan Reeves for a couple of games. Even though that's not your best, that's not your best roster. It's not the one that you would even imagine ever taking place in a postseason game. Mm -hmm. That's not an option for this team right now. No, it's not, but I also don't know that that's worth anything. Like, I feel, sorry, Ryan Reeves, but I feel differently about it if Nick Robertson is the guy who's constantly on the outside looking in, and he has been on the outside looking in at times this year, but I feel just so much different. Even even if we're just talking about, like, last year, where, eh, can we give Bobby McMahon a sniff? Can we see what we've got here? Where there's actually a reason for it. There's a purpose, and I am, I'm not so fully on Damo's side of the equation where I think there's no purpose and no reason for, for Ryan Reeves. I'm, I'm more there than I was at the beginning of the year, but I think that unlike those other players, you know, if you're giving McMahon a sniff or I, again, I'm out on this player I'm about to mention, but let's say you want to call up Alex Steves and say, I'll give him a burn. At least I can understand the idea of before we go out and trade for some 13th forward at the deadline to say we did something and we'll give you a 13th forward here. Why not see if Alex Steves can be that guy? That I understand. I know what Ryan Reeves is, so I don't think they're losing anything by not getting him in the lineup. And because of what I've seen from those Marley's guys, your Abrazizis, your Steves, those characters, mm-hmm. I- I'm good. I don't think we're missing anything by not seeing no, them get I, a I sniff. I think Nick Robertson is like kind of the poster child for for this thought yep. experiment. Like if the Leafs had a, a longer leash uh, standings-wise, would you see him get a lot? But I... It, everything we know about Sheldon Keefe is that he's loath to to put, he's loath to to not put winning aside, but yep. like think of the the bigger picture as opposed to like what is the best lineup configuration on this day to give me the two points against this team today. Yeah, and I think it's so it's it's so twofold though because. I I can see both sides of it. I can see, come on, just give Nick Robertson the chance. Flip Willie over to the left side. Put Robertson with Tavares and Nylander and really see if you can find something there, if you can get something going. I understand that, but I also think the way to get the best version of Nick Robertson, not tomorrow, but 
in April or next year or two, three years down the line is to make them earn it. Mm -hmm. To not just say, all right, well, you know, we're pretty home and cooled. Here's your top six spot. No, make them earn it. And and I don't think... Isn't he doing that right now? I think there is some element (laughs) to that. And that's why I think this has been a bubbling conversation. Before he shot it in the net, those goals... The other night, those goals per 60 numbers, they looked pretty different. You know, it's amazing for a guy playing like that with the amount of goals he has, what one can do to those numbers. So I think that they're actually handling Robertson pretty well. I think in a perfect world, you'd like to see him not have to sweat so much about his spot as one of the 12. You want him to see him sweat about, is he going to get power play time? Is he going to get, you know, time with other skilled players? But I actually think they're handling him pretty well. The thing I keep going back to with Robertson is... And again, it's what are you trying to get out of the season is we've heard the idea of showcases before for players. Sometimes yeah, right. it's a call up to say, hey, look, well, at you this could player be doing that League. too, right? You could, like, right. You could put him with Austin Matthews. You can put him with Mitch Marner. You could give him PP one time, but you can't because you got to get your points. Now, I'm not as worried about that as everyone else, mm. but you need to be worried about it because you do need to get your points. Well, it's his job that's on the line. Yep. Like, yeah. If, <laughs> yeah. If, if, if the Maple Leafs went on a prolonged losing streak and, you know, they, they hadn't won that game in Calgary and they hadn't won that game in Seattle. And yeah, the, 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 the voices got even louder surrounding Sheldon Keefe's dismissal. Yeah. Like that possibility very much existed. So it's um, yeah, it's not a surprise to me to see him throw out his best possible lineup day after day after day. Chris Knobloch is doing that in Edmonton. It's worked out for like a month. It's been forever since the Oilers lost a game. Uh, let's talk to Jason Greger, host of the Jason Greger Show on Sports 1440 in Edmonton and of the Daily Faceoff podcast. How's it going, Jason? Pretty good, fellas. All right, the question has to be asked. Oilers peaking too early. I was going to ask the other question. Will they ever lose? Twofold. Yeah, I don't, I don't really think about peaking, no. Like, they're obviously not going to win every game this year. But um, what they've done here in the last two months is is figure out how to be successful because they've lowered their goals against. That's always been the problem in Edmonton. Um, scoring goals has never been an issue. Um, although it's funny, they're not, uh, they're scoring as many goals. They're just not coming from their star players. They're not, they're not relying on McDavid and Drysdale. And this winning streak, David and Drysdale are uh, the third and fourth highest scorers on five on five. So it's a good sign for them, but Edmonton has never lost because they couldn't score. They lost because they couldn't defend and they couldn't, they couldn't, reduce the number of gift goals where they would just make a bonehead play and it would result in an easy goal for the opposition. And anybody who remembers the start of the season, that was prime time, man. They might as had they might as well have had a red and white jerseys because they were just Santa Claus all over the ice. But in in the last two and a half months, like the last thirty one games, which is a obviously a much bigger sample than twelve games, they've uh, they've been excellent. Like Chris Knobloch's come in and Paul Coffey and uh, they, they have made a significant difference in, in their approach. They really focused on just kind of rebuilding the confidence of their players. And Paul Coffey, it was funny because everyone's like, oh, what's Paul Coffey going to do as a coach? And he came in and he told his defenseman, hey, I want you to make plays. He, I think he's looked at how the game is played, and he's like, no more dumping it out just to get it out of the zone because it's a safe play. Sure, you might have to do that sometimes, but he wants guys to make plays. And I think anybody who's watched, Vincent DeArnais is the number six defenseman on the team. He's not, he's not an offensive guy. He's a penalty killer. It's what, he has made more plays in the last two months than he's made probably in the previous 15 months. Like, it's, it's been massive. And, and the defensemen, their confidence is sky high because they have a coach who says, 
you guys can make plays. Like he shows them in video. He doesn't show a lot of plays of what they don't make. He sits down with guys and he goes through it. And when he first started, he would take Darnell Nurse and say, oh, here's a really good play from Darnell Nurse. But then he would show Vincent DeHarnay doing the exact same play and say, Vinny, you could make this play. And it's like DeHarnay's sitting there. It's like he's a kid. Any of you guys ever coach kids at 9 or 10? If you tell them they're great, they're like, well, yeah, of course I'm great. Like, they don't, they don't have the ability to think they're not yet. And, and it's almost like he's teaching those players the same way. Like, you guys can make plays. And, and it's made a big difference. Yeah, it's so, it's so interesting. And obviously, you know, every team at different points in their kind of team-building cycle needs different things. But it's funny. We, we had that conversation here in Toronto for a long part of it, of the idea of regroup and hold on to the puck and you know that idea got and you know not to say that uh, I don't think it was Paul Coffey who was sending the message I think that also has a lot to do with it as well but it is just funny how I'm, I'm hearing you say that and how it's kind of unlocked the Oilers and we have the exact opposite conversation going on here for well not so much this season but for the better part of the last two of does it always have to be puck possession could you just chip and chase occasionally and obviously the answer is somewhere uh, in the middle you know I want to ask you about Bouchard he is a guy who with this Oilers team uh, uh, you know, obviously we know about the players they have, but in terms of the young guys coming, he has always felt like the the piece that could kind of maybe, I don't want to say change the ceiling because nothing's changing the ceiling on a Connor McDavid team, but really add another nice young piece there. What is playing alongside Ekholm uh, d- done for his game this year? Because, you know, I'm not going to pretend the warts aren't there, but obviously there's a ton you like about the player as well. Well, Bouchard, what, you got to play to a player's strength. And Bouchard's strength is making plays, moving the puck. Obviously, he's got a bomb uh, on the power play. He's an offensive-minded defenseman, right? Um, you, you just want him to be respectable defensively. Expecting him to suddenly be like a stalwart defenseman, I think, is, is, is foolish because like, he's never played that way. I, I don't really think. Like, he can play. He's decent defensively if, when he wants to be. But I think playing with Ekholm has – has allowed him to be like, okay, you know what? Anytime there's a little bit of urgency, I'll just give Ekholm. Even though Bouchard can make plays, but Ekholm's the one I think that calms everything down. And that's been such a massive addition to the orders because it wasn't really just one player. It's almost like they added two because when Ekholm came in, he sits, he's a veteran guy, and Bouchard's talking about like, yeah, you can have a coach. And this started last year, and the coach helps you. But when you have players who have played the game, you know, the, the split-second decisions, okay, do this or that, and it's not like Ekholm tells him what to do. He just tells him what he sees. And a lot of time it's in the game. And he's like, Evan, okay, I saw this at this plate. What about that next time? And he's like, oh, okay. And, and away you go. And so it's, you know what? Like, and, and if you look at, at really how they coach, um, Ekholm and Bouchard play a lot with McDavid, right? And so McDavid and Hyman and Nugent Hopkins have been absolutely killing it as a line. Not, now, Hyman's scoring lots of goals, and McDavid's point total is actually down a little bit from, from last season. But um, what they've created and what they've finished yet isn't matching. They're creating so much more, and they're just, you know, you can call it puck luck, but David isn't shooting guys nearly as much as last year. We could probably have a whole conversation. Like, he had 14 multiple game goals last year. Mm-hmm. This year he has one. Right. And um, so I look at Bouchard and really it's, it's kind of like the Russian five a little bit. They play together a lot because hey, Bouchard's your best offensive defenseman. So they want to play him with your best offensive guy. So I get it, but they can do it because their, their first pair of nurse and CC are guys who are good enough. They take on a lot of the tough minutes and are, are, aren't ex- like people look at nurses contract. And like, Oh my God, he's never going to be a $9 million player because of points. And 
the thing is, Nurse allows them to play Bouchard and Ekholm the majority of the time with McDavid. Uh, we've got about a minute here, uh, Jason, but, uh, man, hockey can so often be just distilled down to who gets the better goaltending. And you know, no doubt, like, they're not giving the puck away as, as much as they, they did early in the season, but also Stuart Skinner's got a 949 save percentage over this 11-game winning streak. Like, how much of the story of the Oilers turning their season around is, is goaltending? Well, it's, I think, you know what, early on, he, he became better because they limited the amount of massive chances that he had to face because I don't care who you are look at Vasilevsky look how much Tampa Bay's given up but he's not killing it like a goalie can only do so much if the team in front of him is porous so that started it and I think that's given Skinner a boost like last night against Columbus first 40 minutes they're getting pumped if Skinner doesn't stand on his head Mm -hmm. so Skinner now there'll be some games where Skinner sits back there guys he could be in a lawn chair he's not really getting much and then there's then there's a game like last night, and that's what good teams do. I, people always forget to wow, oh, they're good. Your, their goalie saved them. I'm like, last I checked, the goalie's on the team. Yeah, if allowed. your goalie can steal you a game once in a while, that's allowed. It's just like you know, if Austin Matthews scores a hat trick and the rest of the team's junk and you win three or two, no one says, yeah, but we saw that. Uh, that's been happening a lot, actually. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, I know. I watched. <laughs> I watch the Leafs quite a other, bit. Other, other than number eighteen uh, up front for the Leafs, of course, it's Matthews and Gregor uh, carrying the way. We know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he needs he needs a lucky one to go in. It's being a little bit of a funk, <laughs> so hopefully he can get one. Yeah, not Matthews, not Matthews. <laughs> we 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 knew where you were going with that. Sorry, no offense, but we knew. Yeah, uh, Jason, uh, it's a pleasure. Thanks for doing this. Hey, no problem, guys. Have a good one. You too. This is Jason Gregor, host of the Jason Gregor Show on Sports fourteen forty in Edmonton. And uh, host of the uh, Daily Face-Off podcast and uncle to Noah Gregg. Happy you mentioned that because I feel like some people are going, what? Why? Why? Who is even number 18? I mean, last, I, I always yeah. forget that I have leaf brain because in text, I, do, I don't do this to you. Mm-hmm. But I, I usually just use numbers like, eh, 16, be better. Mm-hmm. Two, man. All that stuff. Yeah. I feel like you do that to, to sound cool, maybe. I do it to save my thumbs. Oh, okay. Yeah. Not to be cool? A little bit. Do you think you're cool? Yeah, that's an no, no, no. Question to, a good way to end the show. Do you think you're cool? Because I, I, I used to think I'm cool, and then I, not, over the last couple of years, I've understood that I am not cool. Do you not remember this? At the beginning of our tenure doing a show together, I merely posited the fact that I might be cooler than you. Yeah. And you got... Well, that was insulting. So offended by that. And <laughs> well, to, certainly, I'm not cool, but I'm certainly cooler than you. Uh, hard pass on that. <laughs> I, I am... We might need to do a straw poll among the office to settle this here. <laughs> and I know JD is going to go against you. So I know I have one vote there. Like, yeah. he doesn't want to say I'm cool. Mm-hmm. But anything to knock you, cut you down at the knees. So I know I have at least one vote there. Maybe we need to we need to do an office straw poll and come back with yeah. this because I am not cool, but you definitely are not. And I think I, I can be cool cooler either. than you. I know. I think it's, yeah. In a race to the bottom, you're the very bare. This is like running away from the a bear. You're like, yeah. I don't have to be cool, just cooler than you. That's what I say to myself every day about you. Just Although so you know. this is also depressing because, like, you bringing that up and me forgetting that we've had this yeah. conversation. We haven't been on the air no, together for like ten years. No, it's not even been, been ten months. No, it's been a couple of months. <laughs> And then I'm already in reruns. Well, I mean, my brain was mush at the beginning of our yeah. tenure anyways. And then like, and then you're talking up me. and then waking up at 420 in the morning every weekdays. It's not doing wonders. Nope. Old, old mush cerebellum. brain. Old yeah. mush brain. All right. 
Uh, Leafs and Jets tonight. <laughs> Scotiabank Arena, 7 o'clock on Sportsnet. We'll be back tomorrow. This has been the Fan Morning Show. Ben Ennis, Frank Gunning, Sportsnet 590. The Fan, good, good morning. morning.